The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. So, in the book of James, chapter 4, and let's go down, um, let's start at, uh, at verse uh, at verse 5. And in the Passion Translation, James 4, 5, it says, Does the Scripture mean nothing to you that says the Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. That's good. I'm going to read that again. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our heart, that's the Holy Spirit that he breathed into us. You know, when God breathed into Adam, he didn't, you know, it's, it's easy to fall into this because you, but he didn't just, he wasn't blowing air into Adam. He he was, a, he was a lifeless being. He was a piece of dirt that was put together as a human, but he was there lifelessly. And God came and got him, picked him up, and he breathed into him the, the breath of life. But it, it was way more than air. It wasn't oxygen that Adam was lacking, but rather it was the spirit. He, there was a, the, this, this eternal thing that came out of the eternal God and went on the inside of Adam. And the Bible says he became a living soul. A, another way to say that is when, when God breathed into Adam, he became an eternal, spirit-filled person that was made in the image and the likeness of God and and it, it, it took God putting his spirit in him for him to be able to say that he is in the image of God. Because God is spirit tonight. God is spirit. And that's what we're chasing are spiritual things. And it says, don't, don't you, does the scripture mean anything to you? That when God breathed into Adam, he breathed the spirit into our hearts, and that spirit, listen to this, man, that spirit that God put on the inside of us. So God breathed into Adam's nostrils in the Garden of Eden when he was making man. But when we got born again, he grabbed us again in our, in our death sentence. And he picked us up. And he, and he put his mouth over our mouth and and breathed into us. But he breathed. We were already spirit. It was, but we were fallen spirit. We were dying spirit. We were eternally separated from God's spirit. But when God. So, so in other words. Be, before I got born again. I was, I was alive. I was spirit, soul, and body. But I was lifeless. I was, I was dead in my trespasses, Ephesians 2. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And my lifestyle was, 
was contrary to God's. But when he breathed his spirit on the inside of me. See, I, I don't know about, the, about you guys, but I, I don't know. There's always been something a little odd about me when it comes to most church folks. Because I didn't, when I got saved, I didn't just join the church. Huh? I just didn't become, uh, uh, you know, I, man, I was dead. And I got raised to new life. And he picked me up and breathed his spirit on the inside of me. My, my spirit that makes me me got breathed upon by the breath of God when I got born again. And that verse is powerful, I think. It says, does it mean anything to you that the scripture says that that spirit, when he breathed it into us, he is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. It's, it's the picture of, of a marriage. You know, it's amazing today in this culture. The, the covenant of marriage is, is diminishing. It really is. I mean, it's just, we're believing, we're, we're getting more and more people to, to grasp the concept and listen to, but, but that's what it, what it is. And it's, it's awesome. People say, well, that's it's just a piece of paper. Wait, wait, wait a minute. No, Mom, are you kidding me? You think that all me and Sarah got between us is a piece of paper? Now, it, it, it legally in this, in this nation it makes sense, but we made a covenant together. And we made a covenant together that, that I'm with you and she's with me. Forever. Till death do us part. When I'm gone, have at it, sister. I, I know I've told you this, but I always tell, told Sarah, you know, if I get out of here before you get out, after the potato salad, we have the funeral and receive a missionary offering, and uh, everybody says real nice things about good old Pastor Crab, and then you go in the back of the church and eat potato salad. I said, Sarah, find a guy that's got a lot of money and he's not a pastor, and start flirting with him, but he loves Jesus, man. But the, when we, listen, I want you to know tonight, I'm a jealous lover over this sister. Hmm? I mean, there is, there, you want to raise my ire quickly? You, you start flirting with, with, with my girl? I'll tell you, there is a righteous jealousy that comes over me because if you flirt with my girl you're you're trying to mess with the covenant that I have between Sarah and 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 me right so I'm a jealous lover now a lot of people don't know this about Sarah but there's a fiery side to her too you mess with you mess with me Sarah's coming because she is jealous over me. 
And Sarah's like God in that verse. And I'm like God in that verse toward her. I am intensely desiring more and more to be her one and only. And more and more of our hearts being shared together by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It, and, and that's not, well, you're jealous, you know. And you, yeah, yes, I am. I'm not fearful, but I am jealous. You mess with my girl, you try to take her heart. Man, every day I get up and I pray and I want to be more intensely unified with her. And that's the way God is with us. And here's what he said. That that spirit that he breathed into you, not the first one that made Adam a living spirit, but the one when you got born again, when you got saved, he, he breathed his Holy Spirit in us and made us come alive. And that's, listen, that spirit in here is jealous for all your affection. He wants all of it. He doesn't want you to be flirting with the world. This, this chapter right here says, don't you understand that friendship with the world is hostile against God? He's, he's not all right. You love the world. You, you know... You, you, love, you fall in love with the world and the things of this world. What, are, what does 1 John say about the things of this world? The world. It, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You start, you start flirting with stuff that is out here and it looks good. I'm telling you, I, I didn't say it, I didn't say it was, was necessarily a bad thing. See, the lust of the eyes is just something that you see that you start desiring. Right? And that, that doesn't have to be, you know, some bad, dark, evil thing. It's anything that captures your heart away from God because He's jealous over you. And I, I mean it, man. I know a lot of Christians that battle being depressed. But I tell I tell them, you are not depressed. It's God that's on the inside. There's something gnawing away at you that says give Him everything. Give Him your heart. Give Him your mind. Change your mind. It's something about it that says give your life to help people. Uh, don't love your life anymore. Lose your life. And then thereby you find your life. That's, that's, that's what that spirit is in there. He wants it. He's intensely jealous. And if I get, if, if, if me and Sarah can get ticked off with somebody flirting with us, man, what, what's the matter with a lot of people? I mean, church people today, in my view. But I've watched people for a lot of years. It's when your heart gets drawn away by anything that looks more attractive to you than following that spirit that's on the inside of you. This thing right here. So, so you know, 
I've had people say, it just feels like something, like I, something's gnawing on me, and it, it, it must be I'm depressed. And, uh, no, man, that's the Holy Spirit. He's, did, he's grieved and ticked off. So he's not just sad about you flirting with somebody else. He's not happy about it. And I want to tell the church world today, not just this day, I mean this this generation that we live in. Man, God is jealous over our affection. He wants everything. He wants to be with us all the time. He wants to be with us every day. He wants all of our heart. He doesn't want to be with us and we're wishing we were somewhere else. Right? He, he's jealous. He's a jealous lover, man. And, 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 there's, and, and you, you just say, well, praise God he is. I, you know, Sarah's not sad I'm a jealous lover. Huh? She's not sad about that. She's glad I care about it. Huh? And I'm glad she cares about it. That's the way it is, man. So he's a jealous lover over us. And he's calling us. And he wants us tonight. And so we can't be friends with the world. We can't follow things that are lustful. You know, your flesh, your flesh is crazy. You know what your flesh will want? Now you take all three of these things and mix them together. The, the world, it's what he's talking about, First John. And you mix the lust of the flesh, so my, my flesh nature, the part of me that's fleshy, carnal, worldly, that part of me See, we, we can't get out of, of the potential. We are in the flesh. But that doesn't mean we're fleshy. But when you start listening, it just happens a lot of times that it, that it manifests through your body desiring things that you, that you lust for, you want. Right? Isn't it amazing when you get married... You, you, you want each other, which is awesome. Yes. Yes. Huh? If that's a sign that helps you, baby, I'm in. Yes. I'm drawn to you. I'm, I've, I, man, I feel, I feel you're, <laughs> you're like a magnet to me. And I'm drawn to you. And I pray, God, that you can overlook all this and be drawn to me. But, you know, but, but we, we've got to stay in that place where, we're, where we just want each other. And that's all we want. That's what we want. But I can't ever be drawn by the lust of my flesh. Huh? Everybody. Everybody, nobody look around at anybody and wonder if, if it's them. All of us have been tempted by the lust of the flesh. And that's just not over sexual stuff. The lust of the flesh goes a lot of different ways. Isn't that right? 
You know, it's amazing today how many people overdose and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Well, you know, drugs just comes from the lust of the flesh. It's your flesh wanting something to medicate this thing that's really in your heart. It's, you got a spiritual need, not something that can make you feel really good. And we lust after things that'll take us right into the grave, man. And we over, you know, people overdose. And so, so you mix the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. You know, when Eve was and Adam were in the garden, you know what it says? It says, when she saw the tree, that it was pleasant. To the eyes. So you mix your flesh just having a lust issue. Right? Wanting stuff that it's, that's not good for it. Huh? And then you mix that with we do have eyes. And uh, listen, and there's a lot of stuff that the devil can make look enticing to you out here in this world. That's the truth. And that's what I mean. You, we, we see stuff. When she saw that tree, there was something alluring in that tree. Isn't it amazing? It, it, God wanted them to lust after one tree in that garden. And that was the tree of life. Yet, but they got allured because they saw. They saw that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they saw it, there was a pull, an attraction, an allurement to that tree. And, and, and they went and they ate the fruit of that tree. And as a result, they died. So you mix the lust, my flesh. And this, if you let down, if you give up on this jealous lover thing, you don't think God cares or it doesn't matter or we're, we're sneaking around, cheating on God. Huh? This is man. So the lust of the... I've known... I mean, people have lost their mind in an instant of time because they let down their guard. Guard your heart with all diligence, Proverbs say. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Don't let your heart be, a, be attracted to anything. And if you see it, and all of a sudden, and, and there's something, and it's part of this thing that you're not supposed to have, man, listen to this right here. A hundred percent of the time, if I start flirting with the world in any way, wait a minute. To any degree, there is that jealous lover stands up inside me a hundred percent of the time. And it and it's and that jealous lover is grieved in there. And the fire and the anger, the 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 godly jealousy raises up. And God said, No, that's not for you. And so when you feel that through the lust of the flesh and then the lust of the eyes and then you mix the pride of life 
into it. Where, where we become, we're proud, we're arrogant. We think more of ourselves, and, and we feel like that we're, we deserve this. This thing. I, I mean, I've been, you know, I've, heard, I've had people argue with me about c- c- trying to convince me that they really did have a right to backslide. When you backslide, all you're doing is you're cheating on God. That's what we're doing. Right? And he doesn't like any of it. He doesn't like it. But people will try to justify flirting with, with stuff that, that's not okay. And, and, and they, I've had people use the excuse of, you know, I've been in church a long time and I've, I've, I've helped people, I've given the tithe, I've given money and all that. And so, you know, I've almost like, like they're trying to play a violin, man, this sad song, and try to get me to, to start feeling sad about their plight. And they're cheating on God. Huh? And I, 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 I'm like, wait, 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 you're talking to the wrong guy, man. Because here's one reason you're talking to the wrong guy. Because I, I get it. I get what's going on. It tries to happen to me all the time. It does. It, it happens to the lust of the flesh. You've got to deal with it every day of your life. Well, I dealt with it yesterday. Maybe I won't have to deal with it today. You got to get up every day and you got to crucify your flesh. You got to confess the verse in Galatians 2:20 that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. You got to know that you're called to to Yes, you know, one of the things Josh t- turned me, I, I, was, I was listening to him. It, it got dangerous today because I was in a Starbucks listening to Josh Wills. And I got so fired up, man. I, uh, one time I pushed my chair back and I stood up and I didn't know what I was going to do. But I felt like somebody ought to turn the table over, do something because Josh was preaching about the cross. And the, 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 that the cross, man, was the, the cross was a death machine. And when we go intentionally to the cross and we are crucified with Christ, we die every day. Josh told the story about Will McFarland, great guitar player, uh, with a lot of really, really big bands from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And Will McFarland got saved. And he went to that church, Calvary Church. Their slogan was, come to Calvary and die. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you look at other, you know, you look at very many church websites and all this kind of stuff. We, the church has forgotten what our calling is. And we, we say, come here. We have got coffee. Well, here's, here's one problem. 
Everybody's doing the coffee. I mean, coffee's not some new novel idea anymore. There was a time, I don't know, I'm trying to imagine our little Pentecostal church having a coffee stand out in the, are you kidding me, man? We'd have run into that thing and shouted and kicked our leg and knocked the thing over. And it's, there's nothing wrong with coffee. But when you try to be attractive with coffee, with music, with anything but God and His Word and the reality of it. See, you know, and, and, and you're, wait a minute, you know who you're talking to? We're dealing with people who are, who are in the world, who are being drawn by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And, and we're, we're, and so, so now everybody's got coffee. Let's see what else we can do and make this thing more and more and more and more attractive and, excuse me, and less offensive. <laughs> this, you know, the preacher's job, excuse me, is to offend you. To, to, to take the word like a hammer. And I'm glad I've sat under some good men of God. Man, I've seen some Holy Ghost hammer swingers. And they have, you know, I thought, well, we're going to have a nice church tonight. That preacher goes behind, you know, pulpits used to be these big old things you could hide sledgehammers behind it and stuff. And the preacher would come out with a word. We're not going to have, have just a soft little word tonight. Preacher's on fire tonight. He's swinging a hammer and he's got a sword in his other hand and he's cutting open hearts. And I, I guess, it, I mean, it took me a little while, but I get it. And I, I'm not offended by that. Huh? There's something about me. I, I, don't, I don't know what it says about me, but that's what I like. That's what I mean. Give me somebody that'll, that'll preach something where I'll go, hmm. Ouch. I told you years ago, I was preaching somewhere, big crowd, that lady, and I, I mean, I was on something, and this lady in the back stood up, and she screamed out in the middle of the service. She screamed, it hurts, but it hurts good. Preach on. Huh? There's something about that. I like that. Because it's God reaching for me, saying, make sure you're all right. Make sure you, you, you got something in your heart that you, you're in love with Jesus and that you care about Jesus and that you are desperately and hopelessly. See, I'm telling you, everybody that's born again ought to love the things that God loves. What does God love? God loves purity. So we love purity. Hmm? And then, but in the middle of us loving purity, the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes. 
Hmm? It's, it, it's, it's everything in us that's being called by God. And, and I want to tell every church person, and I, I really believe this, I don't think, I think it's going to take some of you calling people out. You know, you guys just sit there and say amen to me, and I like that. That's good. But then you want me to do the offensive stuff. <laughs> you, you know, and you're just the patting the brothers and sisters stuff, man. Man, we're brothers and sisters. I've had people come after me. Hmm? I've told you that time, this was back in the little Pentecostal church. And I, I worked on a Saturday at Procter & Gamble for overtime. And baby needed some milk money or something, or diapers or something. But I was, I was working overtime. And nobody was around. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, it's like a fiery dart. Out of nowhere, this, I wanted a cigarette. And that day, I don't know if I, I was weary, tired. I'm not making excuses. I don't, I don't know what it was, man. But I looked, and, and right when that was happening, I looked on this table, this desk that was in that office, and you know what happened, man. There, was a, there wasn't a Bible laying there. There was a pack of cigarettes laying there. And all of a sudden, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, it all went off. And next thing I know, I'm in the bathroom at this, in this big office center, Iverdale Technical Center, and I'm in a stall, and I hadn't smoked a cigarette in a long time. And you know, I love, I love the way God makes us because, you know, the first cigarette I ever smoked in my life, I could take you right to the spot where it was over. It's where the Forest Park Post Office is. Now, I could take you to this spot. And you know the first cigarette I smoked? As soon as I, I tried to inhale it, my body reacted and said, no, 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 no. I coughed, turned green. You know, when I was a I'm talking about when I was a kid. I don't know if I stole those cigarettes. I used to steal my mother's. I was in bad shape because I don't know if you know anything about smoking, but... Uh, my mother smoked Lucky Strike, non-filters. These little, they, they were, I mean, this non-filter thing. And, and my dad smoked L&M's, which is just really an uncool cigarette. I've, I, it wasn't, only smokers would know that. So I, so I had my mom, all she had was Lucky Strikes, and my dad had L&M's, man. So it wasn't even fun to steal those. But you know, it's amazingly, even though I didn't like either one of them, I still, the lust of my flesh and the lust of my eyes went after those things. And so I'm sitting in that stall, that bathroom, 
and I lit, I lit up that cigarette, and I'm back under, I'm back there at the Forest Park Post Office, and I'm hacking and 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 I tried three or four more puffs, and all of a sudden, the jealous lover. I felt him stand up in my heart. Not, uh, and there was something about it. It wasn't in some condemning way. Like you wicked, useful, slothful, lust-filled, unclean, unbeliever. No, it wasn't that. It was just this, this thing that went off inside me. Saying, you know, you know that's not for you. You belong to God. And by the way, this is God's temple now. This body that you're putting that smoke into, the only smoke that should be in our lungs is the smoke of, of the incense that comes off the altar as we're in prayer. Yeah, that's, that'd be a good one next time somebody asks you, do you smoke? Yes, yes I do, regularly. My, we come to my church, we smoke all the time, man. There's incense. The, the coals are hot on the altar. And, and then we pray, and it's like incense in the book of Revelation, and it goes up before God. So we smoke it. You'd love this church. Come on, man. <laughs> and I, but, you know, and so, you know what, what came next is this guilt. And condemnation. I, I mean, you, the devil is such a liar. He's, he's good at guilt and condemnation. You got, that's the only thing we'll give him credit for. And this guilt thing came on me. And I really did. It, it was like I got caught doing something that was so vile. And, the, and then all these thoughts poured into me. Well... Long story, but I, you know, so I made it through the day, but this thing, I couldn't get rid of that guilt, that shame, and this thing in my heart. And, and, but it was Saturday, and the little Pentecostal church had Saturday night church. And I was like, oh my God. I've been in that little Pentecostal church when Sister. Holy Ghost, she'd stand up and say, the Lord shows me this about him. Or, you know. And I was like, and so, you know, I'm battling guilt, condemnation, knowing that I'm supposed to be in the house of God. Huh? But, but man, I didn't want to go because I was really, I thought, well, that... The easiest thing that could happen to me is they, somebody gets it in the spirit and they I see a man in a nice office building. He's about 5'8". He's got brown hair. And he's in the men's bathroom smoking a cig. That, that, that wouldn't have been the worst... What I, then it's, I started going from that. Then I thought, no, 
I heard this voice and say, no, what's going to happen? You walk into the holy presence of God, you're going to die. You're going to fall over. You're going to drop dead. And I'm thinking, I have sold my soul to the devil, and I could only get three or four puffs off that cigarette. I didn't even finish it up and get it down and be able to put it out in an ashtray. Huh? No. And so I thought, and then it crossed. And so I was, that's when I was living with um, Sister Dorothy and Brother Tom that took me in off the, when I was a, a wreck. And they, they brought me into their home. I told you, you know, made me a place in the basement and, and, and in a nice place and loved me, would demand that I come eat meals with them. And I became like a son to them. They were this an elderly couple in the church. They loved me, man. They loved Sarah. And, and so I was living at their house. Well, they were all at church. Sarah was at church. And I'm hiding, hiding out at Sister Dorothy's house and Brother Tom's house. I'm under condemnation, guilt. Uh, the jealous lover is wearing me out. And I said, I can't, I can't go. Now, I want to tell you something about Jim Crabb. I got a lot of issues, but I don't miss church. If the house of the Lord, if I'm part of that church and those church doors are open, it, I don't have to pray about, Lord, you want me to go tonight? Man, that's, that's part of my life. I'm sold out. You know, nobody's, finally my family got this message. Uh, Say on Thursdays. Nobody's asked me to do anything with them on Thursdays in 40 plus years because they know where my heart is and my heart's in a chair or on a hard pew and my heart It's being touched by the fire of God. And so I said, so missing church, and so everybody's, I knew what was happening. Everybody's asking, where's Jimmy? Everybody called me Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? They were, you know, asking Sarah, where's Jimmy? Sarah didn't know. But thank God for a jealous lover on the inside. Sarah and I were just beginning to, you know, come along in our relationship. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm hiding out at Dorothy and Tom's. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up at the door. And I was like, well, everybody I know in this little town's at church. Who could this be? And I came up and looked around, peeped out the window, and there stood Sarah. And Sarah came for me because she loves me, because she wasn't going to let me drown in my, in my condemnation and my guilt. And she was going to talk to me about, uh, you know, it's amazing because I, I was a key part of along with another gal, leading Sarah to the Lord. 
Now I'm hiding out and Sarah's coming for me. That's what I'm talking about. That's the way we got to get with people. We got to go, we, we got to say, and Sarah, I mean, all I knew about Sarah right then was this is one good looking image of God right there. I fell in love with Sarah the first moment I saw her. I, if she'd have met, I don't know, man, I, I'd have gotten married at, well, see, I was a senior. How old are you when you're a senior? I was still 17. I, I guess I'd have gotten married at 17 because, you know what? When I met her, I, my search was over. I was done. I didn't, need to look, I didn't need to kiss anybody else and see, you know, try them out. I didn't need to go out with anybody else. I was, I was, I was in. I was a player. But she, she wasn't quite exactly at that spot at that time. But she was coming along. And she came for me, and she, I said, I can't, and I finally, I, don't, I was ashamed to tell her, I was embarrassed to tell her, but I finally came out with it, I smoked, I smoked a cigarette, it's, and you know, and I said, I just, I'm not going to church, I can't, I'm, you know, weepy, and Sarah said, get your stuff. Make sure you wash your face so you don't smell like smoke when we go in. And we're going to church because that's what we do on Saturday nights. And by God's grace, I realized somebody was coming for me because there was a bit of, even though we weren't in covenant, there was something, Sarah, I was her brother. I told you, you don't have that Bible tonight, your sister Sarah Bible, do you? Do you? Well, that's not the one I gave you, though, was it? Huh? For the first Christmas, when we were coming together, I thought, I'm going to get Sarah. This this is our whole relationship. You know where we dated? Saturday nights at the Pentecostal church. (laughs) Sunday mornings at the Pentecostal church. We dated going, we'd walk the streets and go soul winning on Sunday afternoon. Then we'd go back to the, that's where we dated, I promise, man. And so, you know, I thought, I got to get Sarah something really cool for Christmas. So I got her a Thompson Chain Reference King James Bible. It was something better than any diamond I could have put on her hand. It was something better. It was, uh, it was a road map for life. Yes. And I gave her that Thompson chain reference. If you don't know what that is, that's a, I, I still, I've, every day of my life, I look at my Thompson chain reference Bible. I, I love that. I know we got internet. We got all this other stuff. But I, I love that because of how it, it puts the whole word together. That, that's not the translation, Thompson. That's the, but it's study stuff, right? So I gave her a Thompson chain reference Bible. Woo! I guess I, I was going to find out how carnal she was. But I knew, I knew she'd love it. And so I thought, you know, you got it. Let me see your, this Bible. This one. Uh, you know, you put your name in the corner of the Bible, right? This, uh. I can't read. Does that say Sister Sarah Craft? Who gave you that one? 
Patricia. But, you know, and so I thought, I started to take that Bible and then take it and get it engraved with her name on it. And Sarah's name then, I told you, was Sarah Dunnigan. And I knew that I'm, man, I'm getting ready to ask her to marry me. So I didn't want to engrave Sarah Dunnigan on it. I wasn't doing that because I was concerned she'd stay Sarah Dunnigan. And so I came up with Sister Sarah and engraved that on the corner of that Bible. And this sister still has that Bible to this day. It's fallen apart. It is battle-worn. It's marked up. But it's the glue that kept our hearts and our lives together by the grace of God. And that sister came for me. I'm telling you, in these last days, in this hour of deception and darkness, in this day of people having itching ears. You know, this verse hit me today, Beth. You know, he's talking about the last days. And he said, they will, I don't know, this rocked me. And I've known this verse. It said, they will turn to fables. Fables. He's, talking, he's, he's not talking about the demonic Satan worshipers. He's talking about church people. They'll be, they're, they're going to go to sleep. They won't hear the voice of God anymore. They won't listen to the voice of the jealous lover anymore. And you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to, they're going to ignore and push aside the word of God. And whatever that means. And they're going to be drawn to, to things that are fables which is a story that absolutely has nothing underneath it, no substance. It's just a story. And, it, and the church is turning to these stories. Hmm? It's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get off on a tangent on it, but, you know, it's what concerns me about the ultra, ultra out-of-bounds grace thing. Because, listen, Ben, I've I've looked all through this Bible. I've looked in every, I, I've looked, I haven't, I don't know that I've read every, just completely every verse in this Bible, but I don't need to. Because from Genesis to Revelation, the last chapter, from the first chapter of Genesis, all the way through Revelation, the last chapter of Revelation, the last verse, I've looked in there, and this thing has always, every writer, every prophet, every, every preacher, Jonah, all of them, man, they had a word to call the church to make sure that you are alert, sober, you're in a crooked and dark world, but you've got to have your eyes enlightened and you've got to have your heart on fire. 
Tell your friends. Tell them to wake up. Tell them to come to their senses and listen to the voice of the jealous lover that's calling them back to him. And everything that he loves, he's calling us to purity. He's calling us to hope. He's calling us to forgiveness. He's calling us to mercy and be merciful with people. He's calling us to the church. Huh? You look around, you're not stupid. You think I don't see how many, how many people didn't listen and don't listen anymore? Huh? And you know what the devil does with these with, when, when chairs are empty? I told Sarah today, this thing came on me today. I was, I was going to get my car washed. And this thing came on me, and I, I shouted back at the devil. I said, I'm tired of Ishmael mocking me. I'm tired of that Ishmael. And I, I called Sarah, and I, I, man, I had her on the car speaker thing. Man, if anybody was around, man, they'd have gotten melted in the fire. I'm tired of being mocked. That's what Ishmael did. That's why Ishmael and, and Hagar had to get out. He, because there was Isaac, the little child of promise, and Ishmael was what he said he was. He was wild and rebellious, and he was mocking the little child of promise, and he mocked him. And God's word came and said, get rid of him. Sent Listen, you talk about, you know, God's not playing games. He said, send them away. Now think about it, man. Abraham had been intimate with Hagar, the maid. They conceived Ishmael, when they, and that wasn't, that was totally, that wasn't God, that was a child of the flesh. And the child of the flesh always mocks the child of the spirit. Mocks them. And that, I, I just told Sarah, I'm done. I am sending Ishmael away. And I'm sending Ishmael's mother away. Out of my life. Out of my mind. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of the child of promise, the call to preach the gospel that God gave me so long ago. And I'm gonna obey God. You tell your friends, and you tell them that the bald guy said it. That I am obeying God. You know, it's amazing how, how stuff happens in church. Excuse me, welcome to my world tonight, I guess, here. It started out kind of fun, didn't it? Now we're smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. and <laughs> It's amazing, you know. 
I, I believe this about this place. I believe that every time you come, you can, it's, it's, you can get something from heaven. I, I, I mean, I do. I'm and I'm not talking about when I get up here. I'm talking about when I am in here. You don't think that. I'm telling you, man, that's, that's why the, and it's hard. I, you know, these guys feel it too. You know how awesome it is to worship in a full auditorium? It's awesome. It's wonderful, man. And then, you, you know, when there's a small group, you, and, and then the, it's, it makes it harder on the small group to, you know, because there's not a lot of momentum. And these guys are trying and doing their best. And don't you know that we're not even going to ask them, man, that Bill and Trenton and leading and, uh, and all, uh, you know, who, Taylor, whoever's leading worship, man, that they felt, feel, that, does anybody, is anybody out there? Is anybody home? Does anybody care? That we're trying to bring the presence into the house. I want to tell you right now, and I, I promise, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm happy. I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed today because, because I feel so good because I ran Ishmael out of my life today that would mock me. Don't you let Ishmael ever mock you again, Brother Bill. Trenton, don't you ever let him do it. You, are, you guys are called by God. The presence of Almighty God flows through you and touches hearts and mind. And I don't care if anybody, I, I, I know people do, but I want to tell you there's one guy that's always here that gets something. Excuse me, I'm spitting on Jenny. She's been spat on for years, man. Huh? I want to tell you there's one guy that always gets something out of what you do. It's right here. It's right here. Right here. I know. I know there's, I, I, I'm just saying, uh, I, I'm telling you, man, because I just feel, you. if you bring somebody here that cares about God, or if they don't care about God, I wish you'd bring more people that didn't care about God. Bring me some hard-hearted devils in here. Not... Hey, man, church people, trying to reheat church people is exhausting. It really is, man. It's, I, I told Sarah today, didn't I, Mom? I said, I'm not tired of what I do. Are you kidding me? But what I'm tired of is trying to convince people that don't care about God to love God. It's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. I, and you know, this is just our Thursday night thing here. This is, this, you guys are my therapist tonight, maybe. Huh? But I deserve a raise. Not, not because of what I do like this, but from trying to re-warm up people that have lost the fire. And if they, what's, what am I thinking? If people are cold toward Jesus, 
You think they're going to be hot about you? And Josh Willis telling everybody, come to die, go to the cross, crucify your flesh, go to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the thing about it is that when I get like that, I don't get sadder. I get happy. Because that's my calling. And that's your calling. And that's our calling. If there's any word that this generation needs right now, it's wake up. Wake up. Come out of your slumber. I love what Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Who's bewitched you? Somebody, what happened to you? Somebody put a spell on you. It's like, it, it's like witchcraft. Witches would put spells on people. And they'd get intoxicated with, with the wrong thoughts. Who bewitched you that you would lose the zeal of God? That you would grow cold towards your jealous lover? Whew. Whew. Sometimes I wake up in the night. Sometimes Ishmael's in, you know, laying there mocking me. But sometimes I hear the Spirit of God. Calling to the world. Wake up to the church. At least, at least, you know, I mean, you mean help the lost people. We're not even doing good at helping the church people. If they don't, if, you know, as, as they go to sleep and don't care, man. And we got we to gotta get back to that place where we're in love with the master. That's, that's as clear as I know how to make it on a Thursday night. And I'm happy about it. I know it's a little late for Thursday night, but uh, if you'd have told me 15, 20 years ago that I'd only preach till 8.33 and we'd sing one song, you got to be kidding me, man. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y.com.
We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com.